0: Welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Karl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's 0-0 draw with Real Sociedad in the second leg. That means United advances to the round of 16, but this time we do have a special guest with us. You will find her work at One Football, CBC Sports, Marca, Managing Madrid, and at the International Champions Cup, Emily Wilson. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing good, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm well. I'm well. United, maybe not as strong of a performance as fans would have been hoping for, but it's enough to get through to the round of 16. So not feeling too bad. Carl, how about you?
2: Yeah, Vivek, that was an interesting game for a, for a nil-nil. I would say that a lot happened in the game. You had a penalty, you had missed chances, you had a lot of substitutions at halftime. And incidents within the game, including a disallowed goal. So all in all, it was entertaining for a, a nil-nil affair. I did think that United Standards dropped, but I also think it's because they had one eye on the Chelsea game. So that's my explanation for, let's just say they went at 50%.
0: Emily, looking at the starting lineups, the formations, any anything that was notable for you from Sociedad's end?
1: Honestly, no, not necessarily. I think... It was always going to be a big task for them coming into this, you know, they're playing away, first of all, they lost 4-0 at home, Um, so it was going to be a pretty difficult time to try and turn that tie around, per se. I think they did okay for the 90 minutes, like Carl said earlier, there's a couple chances on both sides, the penalty opportunity and stuff like that, but at the other end, when you look at La Liga's schedule too, Sociedad, their next match is against Real Madrid, so you could also argue the same thing that Carl was saying about the Man U lineup, you know, just kind of putting your reserves on, you know, starting or sorry, sitting some of your starters because there is a huge match coming up in the league. So I'm not sure if both teams were necessarily at their full strength. So made five subs, three of which were at halftime too. So making sure lots of people earn minutes, um, making sure lots of players have time to relax as well ahead of a big game like that. But for the most part, yeah, I would say an interesting um, match, 90 minutes, nothing to come out of it, though, in terms of goals.
0: Carl, when you look at that first half, any surprises for you with United? I mean, obviously some changes. Dean Henderson comes in, Eric Bailly comes in, Alex Tellez, Mason Greenwood. We talked about Ahmad Diallo possibly getting a start because of the 4-0 advantage. Were you disappointed that he wasn't in there?
2: I was disappointed, if I'm being honest. I did think uh, he deserved to get a run out. The fact that Bruno played was a big surprise for me. I would love to understand the thinking behind that one because Ole basically played him for a half and then took him off, almost like it was, hey, Bruno, instead of a practice match, you can just play for 45 minutes and come off. So that was interesting for me. Maybe, you know, Ole had one eye on if that got an early goal or an early couple of goals, the tie is back on. And then not having that experienced leadership qualities in the side because Harry Maguire was also mm-hmm. missing. It might have been a step too far to have that many first teamers in the squad. If I were to justify why Ole didn't do that, that would be my justification. What about you, Vivek?
0: Yeah, no, I think I was leaning the same way as well. When you see Harry Maguire getting rested, Marcus Rashford getting rested, Luke Shaw... Uh, Pogba is obviously out injured. So I think to have some of that experience in case there was a shaky start, and if we're being honest, it was a pretty disappointing start. I mean, the match came to life pretty much from the 10th minute. There was that brilliant ball that Eric Bailly played to Bruno Fernandez, where he misses the volley. I think he assumed he was offside, but he really wasn't. And then after that, it was all Sociedad. There was the shocking penalty miss by Oya and then another chance that came right through the box, and Lindelof gets a touch on it. Uh, there was Guevara skying an effort after Januzaj played the ball across. There was another ball that Januzaj played where Mourinho barely missed it. So I thought there was chance after chance for Sociedad to maybe make something of this, and they just couldn't convert. What did you make of that stretch, Emily?
1: Yeah, It was just kind of an unfortunate and a really, really unlucky for them in the first 90 minutes. I mean, even like in the earlier part of the match when um, Dan James, I don't know exactly who he brought down in the box, but then they had the penalty opportunity. And, you know, Mikel, I was looking at some of the stats and he was perfect for penalties at the club. And then that was just a horrendous take from him, I have to say, when Well, well wide. And that first goal, that first opportunity, if they could have capitalized, it really could have turned the tie around because like we already mentioned, one more goal and it's back on, especially because United's lineup was changed so much. But just a, you know, a full 90 minutes of bad luck. We also had um, Segnan also hit, you know, an attempt off the woodwork. So that could have turned it around as well. But unfortunately, just the deficit 4-0, it was too much. And I mean, people could argue was the tie over before it started. I'm not so sure because you can never count um, Sociedad out. Never do that. I can definitely say that watching La Liga all the time. They uh, bounce back really quickly. But at the same time, there just wasn't a way to capitalize. And to to try and find five goals away from home just was too big of a feat.
2: Yeah, Emily, I just had a couple of questions for you with regards to Sociedad. David Silva, I'd imagine, is a bona fide starter. So he was rested for today's game. Is Monreal also a starter? Could Is it fair to say that this tie was given up by the Sociedad manager with regards to that Madrid game coming up?
1: Yeah, Monreal and also Porto, um, they do play a lot. I'm not exactly sure how many starts they get, but I mean... I don't follow this. I follow this team relatively. And those are the two names that I see playing a lot. So yeah, I would just argue it's just a huge game coming up. And it's on Monday as well. So not a lot of time. They have to get back to Spain, you know, hopefully get in a few training practices again. But um, I guess it was just a tactical decision. See who you can put out against United for the 90 minutes. And hopefully some luck falls your way. But unfortunately, it just didn't. On the upside, now they have players like Montreal and Porto rested for that upcoming match against Madrid. So, possibly a managerial decision. Hard to say, though.
0: And Real are dealing with, well, Madrid are dealing with some serious injuries. So, that rest is going to be crucial going into that fixture.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm a little nervous.
0: <laughs> Carl, from the United standpoint, how do you explain that first half and the struggles they had in just limiting Sociedad's chances?
2: Vivek, I think it was a case of uh, movement. I think Sociedad learned from the first leg that if they play too high aligned, they can get crucified, as you can see from the scoreline. And they definitely played a lot deeper. And we all know that when teams play deep, United have a hard time breaking them down, unless it's a Bruno on the ball who can unlock a defense. You, can't, you don't have many options, especially with Pogba not on the not being on the field. You had Fred and Matic, who are a little slower when it comes to that pass forward, and you could tell. Not to mention that uh, we had a pylon as a center forward, so <laughs> there's not a lot you can do when that center forward uh, named Anthony Martial is not moving around.
0: Yeah, Emily, uh, I don't know how much you've watched uh, United this season, but... Uh, looking at this match and maybe some of the matches you've seen before, what are your impressions of Marshall this season? And maybe what are your thoughts on him overall as a player? Because Carl and I have definitely soured on uh, what he's given United this season.
1: I think the uh, pylon example was um, pretty spot on, but (laughs) at the same time, um, you know, Marshall, for me, even just watching the game today, when he has an opportunity, it can only take like a blink an eye and then the balls in the back of the net. He had a few decent chances, I'm gonna call them. Just unfortunately nothing fell his way. Me personally, I like to have a center forward or a striker, whatever they're playing, just move a lot more. It's um frustrating when you watch a center for a center forward just be stagnant, um, which is kind of what we saw today from him, like you guys already mentioned, but You know, his quality is still up there. Definitely, he has been at United for a long time. And Ole clearly counts on him as well. So I think it's just a matter of time. You know, he needs that one moment. One comparison really could even be um, Olivier Giroud at Chelsea. A lot of people counted him out a few months ago. And then just a blink of an eye, and he's back to his best. So I wouldn't count Martial out at all. Um, It was just unfortunate not to see him capitalize on his opportunities today. Because that would have been a huge boost heading into the Chelsea match coming up.
0: Emily, you mentioned those opportunities. Carl, okay. there was a chance where Matic had the ball on the left side and played it across. Marshall was flat footed. Uh, the defender is able to get to the ball first. There was another ball that came from the right side where, if he's more instinctual, if he's anticipating the pass, he probably gets to the ball first. Again, he's late on that one. And there was another one that actually puzzled me because. Marshall received the ball and he was in front of goal just outside the box. And he just kept waiting for the wide man to spread it out when the associate defenders had completely backed off him. So he had all day to shoot. That to me was the most puzzling of all the decisions that he made.
2: Yeah, that just speaks to confidence, Vivek. I think that was purely something where if he was in the mood, he had a couple of goals under his belt, just like Dan James, for example, he's shooting that immediately. And I think that's where that striker instinct is missing. There was a really great example earlier on where Mason Greenwood created just a little bit of space and he took the shot on his right foot and forced the keeper into a a smart Mm -hmm. save. Now, those are the things where that striker instinct exists no matter what your form is. Because Mason Greenwood hasn't scored in nine games and he still took that shot on. So it just goes to show you some things You just have and there's things where other players, they develop it and it just looks like Martial's confidence has just got the better of him at the moment and he's thinking twice about everything. Now, one thing that I did notice, Vivek and and Emily, I would love to get your opinions. Uh, I did notice that Martial's desire tended to increase after the 80th minute when young Shola was on the field. There was a cross into the box and Martial actually tried to dive for it with his feet first. That was super surprising to me because it's very rare that you see Martial get his uniform dirty. So I was uh, perplexed by that, to say the least. What were your thoughts, Vivek? I mean, for me, too
0: little, too late. I was really hoping that when Greenwood came off, that it would have been Martial coming off instead. I would have loved to see all the young kids that are going to be part of the future on the pitch together. And I'm talking about... Greenwood, Rashford, Ashouratire, and Diallo. I I would have been really excited to see all of them on the pitch together. It wasn't to be. So yeah, just a little, uh, too little, too late for me. I'm not gonna get too caught up in that. If anything, the most exciting moment of the second half for me came when uh, Marcus Rashford that free kick that he had that completely caught the keeper unawares with the swerve. I mean. The movement on that ball was just ridiculous. From what was it? It seemed like thirty five yards out. That Ronaldo esque uh, form on the strike, and it just goes by the right post. Emily, what did you make uh, of maybe United's young prospects and maybe some of those highlights, there like that free kick?
1: Yeah, I think having um, the substitution taking off Martial and bringing on um, like another youngster would be incredible because. Obviously, as things turn, the team is going to need some new faces going forward. The one thing I did question when I was looking at the starting lineup, though, when it came out, was the fact that Rashford was on the bench. I'm not sure, it was it an injury thing, or do you guys think it was more of a tactical decision here? Because I was confused, but um, you two follow United more than I do.
0: Yeah, I think it was just uh, you know trying to save his legs for the Chelsea fixture. And obviously just having the advantage of the 4-0 first leg. So I, I think he didn't want to play both Bruno and Rashford. So it was like, okay, I can have Bruno for one half. I can have Rashford for the other. And then that way, you know, I have a dependable threat throughout the match. I think that was the thinking. I don't know if you disagree, Carl.
2: No, 100%. That was just to rest his legs and get him ready for Sunday. As Emily pointed out, it's a short turnaround between this game and the next one. And so United playing on Sunday doesn't give them a lot of time. Chelsea have the extra day of rest. And I think it was purely just to get some some energy back into his legs.
0: Now, the last thing I want to get into a bit is the one potential goal that we could have had. 63rd minute. It's a corner from Alex Tellez. Axel Tuanzebe. it's a bullet header that goes into the New Post corner. And then it gets called back by VAR for a foul on Victor Lindelof. Emily, what were your impressions uh, of the decision there?
1: Um, to be honest, I think it was a fair decision. Unfortunate um, for United fans and for the goal scorer, who I believe what I was reading up, that would be his first goal for the club, no? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so absolutely unfortunate. But at the same time, I do think Lindelof went in pretty hard, also with his knees, so... I mean, he's also a veteran defender, so he, for the most part, knows what he's doing um, in situations like that. You know, he's been there before. He's not a rookie coming in, but that would have been nice to see um, one of the teams at least get on the score sheet. Um, But just unfortunately, yeah, some more, you know, bad luck for Ole's side. Hopefully it turns around against their next match, though.
2: (laughs) It's an interesting one because when I was looking at it in real time... I didn't think much of it. Definitely, when you slow it down, it looks pretty bad where his knee goes into the guy's face. But here are two points that really surprised me. Number one, I had no idea that Lindelof could jump that high. (laughs) And then number two, if you look at the defender, he was clueless. He had no idea where the ball was, who he was marking. He kind of just turned around like, okay, it's not my job. And then he gets whacked in the face. I think if he was actually switched on, Lindelof would have just jumped, he wouldn't have hit anybody, and that would have been a legit goal. So if you look at it, it was the defender's lack of self-awareness that actually saved his team a goal. Uh, But I think I would agree with Emily that, yeah, you know, after slowing it down and looking at it, not too many complaints with the disallowed goal. However, if the goal had been given, I don't think there would have been too many complaints either.
1: Yeah, Carl, I just want to jump in here. It's funny that you say that because when I watched the replay, when the goal was being reviewed, um, you can actually notice the Sociedad player actually turns around to look behind him and it's just caught ball watching and that's why he gets clipped. Yep. Yeah, I thought that's an important take too. I did catch that.
0: Yeah, and that's actually why I felt the goal should have counted because he's not making a play on the ball in any way. And so it, it doesn't impact what Axel Tuanzebe is trying to do. You know, it was one of those where I didn't think it had any ramifications on what actually happened. And so that's why I thought the goal should have stood. But it is what it is. No harm, no foul. Uh, United are through and that w- it wasn't going to change regardless of whether that goal was allowed or disallowed. So, Seedad, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think they can hold their heads high uh, to come back from a 4-0 defeat and draw 0-0 away from home and and frankly, look like the better team for most of the match. I, I think they can take that as a positive going into the Real Madrid fixture. To finish up here, let's uh, hand out some awards. So we'll start off with the, uh, I, th- I think we'll start off with the Beckham boot because I think that seems like the easiest, uh, you know, we've all agreed on the pylon reference. So probably Anthony Marshall is the way I'm leaning. I don't know if either of you have a disagreement there.
1: I completely
2: agree with you. Yeah,
1: no, I'd agree with you too. Especially <laughs> for, you know, a player with that much experience and so many opportunities throughout the 90 minutes that he just needed to play, simply put, better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. So then let's move on to uh, Manchester United's best player then, the Cantona caller. Probably a few candidates in there. I, I thought Matic had a solid game. I thought both centre-backs were pretty solid between Lindelof and Bailly. You know, Rashford was good in the time that he was on the pitch, but he's only on there for one half of the game. Any other standouts that you had, or do you have a pick out of the, out of the names I mentioned?
2: Yeah, for, Beck, for me, one, one name that comes to mind, and actually my pick is Dan James. Mm. I thought he had a, a great half. One thing that's been accused, or where we think he can improve, is when he's running with the ball, his head's down and usually his crosses go to absolutely nobody, and he just doesn't have that awareness. But if you looked in today's game, I felt that he actually put his head up, and he was crossing, and he was actually passing it to players with intent. And even making those runs, if you look, Bruno had a fantastic cross into the box where Dan James headed it. Yes, uh, all five foot seven of him, or whatever his height is, and uh, the keeper had a decent save. Yes, Dan James could have done better with the header, but... What I'm trying to say is his runs and his crossing, I was very impressed with what he did.
0: Emily, how about you?
1: Um, I'd have to agree with you, Vivek. Uh, The two center backs for me really took the cake tonight, especially um, Eric Bailly. I looked at his numbers after the match. and They're actually incredibly impressive. 100% in take-ons, 100% aerial duels, 91% pass accuracy three clearances, two interceptions. I could keep going. I'm not going to, but um, yeah, I think the stats show they're just extremely solid at the back because like we talked in the beginning, Sociedad did have their chances and they tried to penetrate, but they just couldn't. So I think both CBs did really well. Um, But yeah, I'd have to pick Eric from, for me.
0: Sweet. I will definitely take that as a win and we can move on to the noisy neighbor Sociedad's best player. Who was your standout there, Emily?
1: um coincidentally I believe it's also another defender if I have this correct but um for me it would be the one player that hit off the post um their center sorry the crossbar their center back um Sagnan I think it was just one of the more alert chances and they had the opportunity to break through United but you know unlucky to score and then on the other side of the pitch too So, today did stifle United's chances somewhat as well. So I think both ends had a strong defensive performance. So for me, it would be, yeah, segment.
2: Yeah, I agree with that, actually. That was my pick as well. So yeah, no no, uh, disagreements there. And with
0: that, I think we can move on to previewing the Chelsea match on Sunday. Obviously, a changed, a new look Chelsea side with Thomas Tuchel in charge now. United will be well rested. Emily, what are your expectations between two teams that, you know, I I think some would argue United would have been chasing Chelsea after all the transfers that were made in the, uh, in the off season. I can't call it the summer because (laughs) of COVID, but what are your expectations with these two heavyweights going at it?
1: Yeah, no, I think I agree with you there, Vivek. Um, The deals that Chelsea were able to pull off in the off season were absolutely incredible. Um, You know, some of the best players coming in, Kai Havertz, um, Timo Werner, and uh, Ziyech as well. And then I think the one thing is just this United team have found ways to just get the job done. And I think a big part of it is the main man, I'm going to call him, Bruno Fernandes. He's been absolutely incredible. I think, well, let's say, I'm hoping... Um, that there will be some goals scored in this game because both teams (laughs) do have the capability to score some beautiful pieces. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if there were no goals in this match because, you know, it is two top six teams. (laughs) But um, it'll be an interesting one for sure. I think Chelsea really have to find a way to capitalize on the opportunity. You know, they've been good so far, especially under Tuchel so far, but they have a little bit of a gap to work themselves back into they're sitting in the Europa League standings at the moment so I wouldn't be surprised if they put the pressure on Ole's team but at the same time Man United sit second so I think they could also handle it so it'll be an interesting 90 minutes on Sunday. Carl what did you think?
2: Yeah this is a very very interesting time to play each other. Chelsea have 43 games uh, sorry Chelsea have 43 points United have 49. If Chelsea win They're now just three points behind United. And nobody would have thought of that five, you know, five, six games ago. Chelsea in their last five games, they've won four out of the five, whereas United have only won two out of the last five. Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting one because these managers have faced each other before with Ole, I would say, getting the rub of the green. He knows how to play against the Thomas Tuchel side. He knows that Thomas Tuchel likes to play three at the back. And has found ways in the past to get past that. Chelsea's back line isn't the fastest. And we all know that United is really quick on the counter. So it all depends on if Chelsea want to sit back and let United come at them. Or if Chelsea want to dictate possession. Because I do believe that if Chelsea want to dictate possession. It plays into United's hands. And we might see some goals in this game. However, if it's the reverse where Chelsea is sitting back. I won't be surprised with Emily's prediction of, you know, possibly not seeing any goals because it's a top six game. So I think it's set up really well and it all depends on what the intent is. The fact that Chelsea need to make up points to get into the Champions League, I do believe that they need to attack and go for it.
0: Yeah, I think that final point you made is the most important one. The fact that Chelsea are behind in the standings and so they do need to set the tempo. As we've seen in the past, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he thrives in a counter-attacking environment, and so if Chelsea have to come out, if they're if they set out saying they have to catch up in the table and they have to get some goals early, that's where I can see United uh, taking advantage of the situation. As far as lineups go, you know I, I don't think we're gonna see. Too many experiments. We're going to see the best of both teams. We're going to see, you know, Bruno leading from the front. We're going to see Rashford back in the lineup. David De Gea will be in goal, even though Dean Henderson has looked good. The interesting question is going to be with both Lindelof and Baye having played and Baye having had a really good performance, who partners Maguire in the back? Based on what you saw, Emily, and the stats that we saw, I assume you think it's Baye that gets to partner Maguire up front.
1: Yeah, you know, I'd like to hope so. I think over the 90 minutes, he showed exactly what he can do, showed all of his strengths. And, you know, the match today earlier on kind of was like an opportunity match for him to show Ole, hey, this is what I can do. Nudge, nudge, consider me against Chelsea. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think it'd be a top partnership at the back. It might be the key to United winning. Who knows? What about you, Carl?
2: I do think that Lindelof will get the start. Just, you know, I've wanted Bahi to play many times in the past, and it just seems like for the big games, Ole goes with his trusted 11, and he does trust Lindelof and Maguire at the back, even though I don't necessarily agree. I think he's going to go with Lindelof just because Chelsea don't... They do have pace with Timo Werner, but I just believe that United don't play so high of a line to account for that. And I think Lindelof will be the guy. What about you, Vivek?
0: I mean, I am hoping for Bayi. I I won't be surprised if I see Lindelof, but I am hoping for Bayi. I mean, we saw he was able to have that extended stretch around the holiday period where he was able to play those four or five matches in a row and he he didn't have any issues. He didn't have any issues in this match either. So, I mean, he had that little bit of a shoulder scare. Uh, But beyond that, he was fine. Uh, I... I sincerely hope that Baye is in there. I think especially with Chelsea looking to set the tempo, I think it's important to have that pace, pacey option in the center of defense. And I think he can make a big difference there. In front of them, hope that Scott McTominay is back fit and healthy and ready to come back because big games over and over. We've seen uh, Solskjaer go to both Fred and Scott. I assume Fred came off just to have his legs fresh. uh, And so he'll be back. And then obviously Bruno, you got Rashford on the left. We don't know what Cavani's uh, health status is at the minute. So probably Marshall again up front. I assume Greenwood gets a look in ahead of Daniel James uh, on the right side. Emily, do you have uh, anyone else that that might figure in?
1: Uh, No, I think the biggest thing for them, like you already pointed out, is going to be McTominay. If They can get him back in you know the recent matches he's been just decisive for this team um and what a great time to come into such form um just looking at the schedule here like united have one heck of a schedule the next what oh look at this two weeks um so it's going to be extremely interesting but i think that predicted xr that she just gave there i think that's a pretty accurate one carl do you disagree with us agree with us <laughs>
2: No, I I agree with you guys. I also think that Scott McTominay and Cavani will come back into the team. I think Ole wrapped them up in cotton wool specifically for this game. So I won't be surprised if both of them are back into it. And uh, United can get the three points.
0: I think that just about wraps it up for this one. Emily, I want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode again listeners you can find all her content at one football cbc sports marca managing madrid you can follow her on twitter at wilson underscore emt is there anything else you'd like to plug
1: uh no that's basically everything there and thanks again for the invite guys it was great
0: A reminder, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Red Couch Manx. If you enjoy the show, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Join us after every match. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself and Emily this time around, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.